the reality of the, the yoke in our lives is, is unbelievable sometimes. The burdens that we sometimes carry that are overwhelming. Um, the responsibilities, the day-to-day -day pressures, and it doesn't matter whether they're illustrated today or not. It matters that you understand the concept of what Jesus is trying to do. Uh, Jesus is fully aware that the burdens people carry vary from person to person. And your degree of uh, an ability to bear it can change from day to day. Uh, sometimes you can feel unbelievably down, and the next day you can feel like you can carry it for a while, like poor Mr. Buckmeyer was doing there for a while. He was carrying that burden. But ultimately, you begin to understand what it means when that burden gets you down. And so the miracle of this particular text is understanding this, uh, this phrasing here. And uh, you look at it in chapter uh, 11 again, verse 25. I praise you, Lord of heaven, Father, Lord of, like, sorry, Master, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, uh, concealed, hidden. Uh, we sometimes think you can figure it out, right? That's what it means. It means if you use your logic, there is no logic in loving your enemies. You're not going to find a human reason behind it. Uh, there's no logic in forgiving those who are hurting you or persecuting you. You won't find a logic. It, it just won't click. And you'll be sitting there, and it, it, it's hidden from you in that you can't figure it out. Why would God want us to do that? If you do not have the spirit, it might just as well be you know, blocked off by a you know, sheer concrete wall. You cannot see why God would be asking you to do the things he asks you to do. There's, there's nothing in the logic of your typical human mind that can solve the problem of submission, of love, of respect, or a hundred other things that children are asked to do, adults are asked to do, fellow church members are asked to do. It just doesn't fit. It is hidden. Yet at the same time, the revelation and the understanding is when obedience is demonstrated, and frequently kids have to do this, so the illustration obviously is, child, you have to stay where I tell you to stay. Or that analogy I love to use for you, which is a true story about the missionary's kid who had been taught to come on the first call. And I've shared this one with you before. And as uh, he said, when that dad always said, when I call you, you never question, you never talk back, immediately you drop what you're doing, and you run to me. Do you understand that? And he trained that child to come on the first call. Which uh, call did your children come on? Fifth, sixth, seventh. <laughs> Right? When you scream, you know, that's, uh, that's, which call? You've trained them. You can train them. I did it last time with my grandson. Uh, mom's going three, four, five, and I was over visiting, and Grandpa said once, he didn't move. Grandpa did. Boop. What'd Grandpa say? Put my toys away. Okay. <laughs> he learned. Grandpa doesn't say it twice. Grandpa says it once. You understand? It's what you train that child to understand. So this missionary had trained his child to come on the first call. One day in the house that they were playing in over in Africa, there was a very poisonous snake suspending itself above that child as it played under a tree. And that snake was working its way down over into that child, range of that child. And immediately the father said, come here right now, or just come here. And immediately the child stood up and preserved his life. Do you understand? When you begin to understand obedience, that doesn't always seem to have logic. I don't need to know why my dad just told me to come. I have learned that when dad says come, I do it. Want to know why? Because I've learned dad is faithful. 
I've learned dad loves me. I've learned that when I obey him, it will bless me. I've learned so many things about dad, but I don't always understand the call. If I said, now, wait a minute. Why would dad be calling me in in the middle of the day? They just let me out about 10 minutes ago. I haven't, I'm still having fun. I'm still playing. I can't believe he's doing this. Why? I don't want to come in. You understand? When he reveals it to a child, he reveals it in a sense that the child understands the obedience. The child grasps it. In the parameters of this child's life, this parent, ideally a loving parent, who has trained them well, who has taught them faithfulness, who has trained them in the act of obedience of the first call, does not need an explanation. I don't have to do a study of the venomous patterns of snakes hanging from trees. I don't have to explain to you the length of time you live after being bitten by one of these snakes. I don't have to have you understand anything. All I ask you to do is forgive the one who sinned against you. Do you have the faith of that little child? Yes, Father. Or do you want explanation, justification, rationalization? I have told you, honor and obey your father and your mother. Do you need more explanation? You understand? As you get older, that rebellion increases, doesn't it? That stubbornness, that wanting a rational explanation, that saying, I got to know why, I got to know this, and I got to know that. All you need to know is the faithfulness of the person speaking to you. In this case, God, and he looks at you and says, do you know me? Because if you knew me, you wouldn't ask a question. If you knew who I was and you acknowledged who I was instead of giving me some kind of lip service, yeah, yeah, Jesus, whatever you say, Jesus, there would not be this discussion. There would be obedience. And it would preserve your life. And one day you would look back and you say, come here, son, look what I just saved you from. And he turns around after he obeys. He gets to that. What did you say, Dad? What do you need? He turns around and says, look in the tree. You see that snake? That's what I preserved your life from. That's the point that ultimately it's hidden from those who are stubborn or prideful or want to try and make everything God asks them to do fit into their own little rational mind. You can't figure it out. You don't understand it, but a child can. A child can understand it and demonstrate obedience without question. And that's the point that he's trying to make with us. Can we have that kind of relationship with God? I know God so well, he would never ask me to do anything that would not bless me and the people around me. He would never ask me to do anything in my life that would ultimately hurt me or my marriage or my family or my children or anything else. He would only ask me and command me to do those things that accomplish his purposes and accomplish his will in my life or the life of the people around me. That's what you have. Do you believe that? If you don't believe it, then don't walk around saying you know God because we're going to get to that topic in a minute. You don't know the Father yet. You don't know me yet. Were some of these verses we studied in the last uh, two Sundays a little hard on you? Did you feel that? You kind of walk out and you go, man, this is some heavy stuff, right? And you don't even know whether it was a good sermon or a bad sermon because you just got so much stuff to chew on and meditate on. And it requires, requires this and requires that and that pressure is on you. And you begin to understand that's part of the dilemma. So here Christ goes on, he says, you have, uh, revealed, uh, you have revealed them. That means like take off the cover, kids. If you ever know what the word revealed means, it's like here's a box. You know, like at Christmas, you get a box, and you can't tell what it is by shaking it. And God goes, here, let me take off the cover, and you get to see exactly what's in it. That's what the word revealed means. I have taken off the cover so that you can finally see and understand. 
And God doesn't want to keep the cover on. It's just that sometimes you're going to have to do it without having the cover off. You're going to have to trust in what God is doing in your life rather than demand that he explain it to you. Now, all things have been committed to me by the Father, and no one knows the Father, uh, no one, excuse me, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal it to him. Now, uh, the phrase here, it looks at it, and it, it means to be fully uh, revealed, fully in full knowledge. It's kind of like, yeah, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, okay. Do you know him so well you obey him even when you want to question him? Well, no, I don't know him that well. Do you know him so well that no matter what he asks you to do, it's motivated by love? No, no, I don't know him that well either. How well do you know him? You know, do you know him at all? Or is it, a, is it kind of some kind of intellectual exercise you demonstrate? Or some kind of moral oversight it pours into your life? It's not a question of moral insight. It, uh, it's a question of trust. It's a question of knowledge. When someone to me says, do this or don't do that, you understand. I trust that person's judgment. If he says, don't put your foot there, come over this way. If I trust the person giving me the directive, I step in the other place he's asked me to step. You can imagine if you're walk, climbing a hill or a mountain or something else like that, how critically important it is to have this kind of relationship. And so Jesus points out, it says, he says this, I know the Father, and the point is I want to reveal him to you. It feels almost like, well, you know, you don't really know God, and you can't get to know him. And it, you know, that's what it feels like, but it's not like. It's not like that. He says, I want to come into your life, and I want you to be so confident in God who I've revealed to you that you are just in faith, unbelievable faith, that you demonstrate this absolute obedience because you're absolutely confident in who you know. I know him intimately. I know that even in the middle of the most difficult situation, he is working. I know that he's motivated by love. I understand that he's working in my life. I know that he wants to save my children. I know that he wants to heal this church. I know that he wants to rescue the people of this world. I know his heart. And as I know his heart, I'm willing to walk as he asked me to walk, to walk away from the things he asked me to walk away from. That's the directive. That's the command. That's the challenge he's posing. And he goes on to this next phrase in verse 28 then. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and point, I will give you rest. Okay? It means literally, I will refresh you. You saw me carry Mr. Yokemeyer. That's the refreshing. Not only do I take the burden off, but I carry him, and ideally I couldn't do it all, because obviously the children's servant would have collapsed at that point. But I carry him and his entire burden as I remove and reestablish what he is supposed to carry and what he's not to carry. So I carry him. That is part of the process. And in that carrying, I tell him, carry this, let go of that, carry this. And as we go through it, that is him receiving my yoke upon him. And so as Christ is trying to do this ministry in our lives, you begin to recognize that he goes, uh, those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you this refreshing, this uh, ceasing from labor, this removal of these things that are destroying you. You go, well, you haven't removed my wife. My kids are still there, and I still got to go to work tomorrow. What have you done? And God says, you got to understand, most of the burden you carry 
has more to do with what's going on in here and here than anything else you do physically. When something's a burden, I used to teach on burnout. You know, they used to call it parent burnout, you know. and uh, Parents don't burn out. I mean, it's not like you run and all of a sudden kick over and burn out. Oh, my goodness, look, they just flamed out. I think you got to find their gas tank or something. You burn out because psychologically and emotionally you can't deal. Burnout is, happens here and here. The same thing spiritually happens to you. You understand? If you're constantly functioning with this inability to understand, so God cleans my mind. He washes my thoughts pure. He gives me a new understanding of my children. Gives me a different perspective of a wife or a husband or the situation or the solution or the problem. All things that my mind need, he begins to restore. At the same time, he's carrying me step by step to remind me I will never leave you nor forsake you. Cast your burdens upon me. I care about you. I am concerned for you. You are a treasure to me. I don't want you weighed down by the circumstances of life and the other things that go on. So you begin to understand this, uh, this process that he's trying to bring into you and for you and me is that we are going to be fit. We are going to receive those things that God wants us to carry. They're still yoked. I put them on, Mr. Buckmeyer, as we uh, looked at them. I want you to love as I've loved you. I want you to forgive as I have forgiven you. And since I have freely given all things to you, including your wealth, your name, your security, your job, as you have freely received, give away. Let go of. Don't hang on to. That's that cleaning of our mind that he begins to process us on. And so at the process, as you begin to understand, my yoke is easy. I'm going to give you this rest. This is the process that he's trying to establish. And when Christ enters our life at that point, we begin to recognize how he does it. What caused rest in the obedience of the son called away from the snake in the tree? He knew he did what his dad told him to do. He did what he had been trained to do. He did what by conviction or action he was doing, either out of fear or out of love or out of commitment or out of understanding. But when I tell you to come, you come. Yes, dad, I'll do that. You understand your relationship with God? What God begins to do, why does the burden come off? Because you're not waiting until it gets so burdensome you can't carry it anymore. You get smart enough to go, when God tells me to lay my burden down, I lay it down. When God tells me, don't let the, don't let the sun go down on my anger and bitterness, I call that person. I lean over and say, I am sorry, or I'm working on becoming sorry. Please, I really ask you forgiveness for what I said or did or thought today. And that goes for kids or adults. It doesn't matter who we are. If you begin to do what God asks you to do without the questioning, the debating, and the arguing all the time, what happens is the blessings become, those burdens are ripped off. Have you ever procrastinated? Got all done and found out the whole job lasted you for about a day and a half, and you've been spending the last four, five, six months waiting for it? If you just went out there and cleaned the doggone garage... You'd have the thing probably straightened out and cleaned in about a day and a half or two days or my garage four days. But you understand uh, the process here, okay? You understand if you get it done, what happens? It gets off your, it's off your back. Have you ever had someone you've got a burden with? Oh, man, I can't, I, I just, I should have never said that to them or done this thing. Why don't you walk up and say, Mary, please forgive me. I am so sorry what I said or have done. At that point, what comes off my back? The Burden. Why? Because I've stepped out in obedience. The truth is, God said, Harmon, you were wrong. you got to change this. Change it and respond. As you begin to change and respond, you walk over and you do the thing God asks you to do. 
My yoke is easy. Forgive as you've forgiven. Let go of all the other things. Please forgive me. I've sinned against you. What I said or did was wrong. And at that point, you have that opportunity for the healing and the grace and the power. You have that opportunity to work and let the Spirit work on you differently. So now you have a different relationship when you close your eyes at night than you would have had if you wouldn't have leaned over to your husband or wife and said, I was wrong for the way I treated you today. I'm not done yet. God's still working on me. But I do want you to at least know, I know I was really wrong for the way I talked to you today. And I'm going to need your forgiveness if you can grant that to me. And if you can't, that's all right for now. But I need to let you know where I'm at. You understand? What happens? You go to bed with a totally different burden. Haven't you gone to bed with burdens and woken up just as tired as you went to bed? Haven't you gotten those situations where you carry something and they become walls and grudges between you and your so-called loved one? You know, I don't understand why my parents and I are getting so far apart. I don't understand why my husband and I are getting so far apart. Well, the answer is you're not listening to what God asks you to do. You're having a fight with God about why you shouldn't be a force to come in from playing under the tree. That you're still just having fun. You've only been out 10 minutes, and you can't believe that God can be so mean to you as to tell you you can't or you shouldn't or come here right now. And in the process, the snake bites you and you die. And then you get angry at God because he didn't rescue you. And your disobedience just continues to manifest. Or worse, the snake bites you and you just get paralyzed and half your body dies. So you're dragging yourself through life going, I don't know why I feel like such an emotional cripple, a spiritually handicapped. I don't understand what's going on with me. Well, what's going on with you is you allow Satan to bite you, poison you, rip your life apart, disintegrate the muscles in that part of your body, and then you wonder why it's dead. Why can't I love the way God wants me to love? Why can't I forgive the way God wants me to forgive? Why can't I be the man God wants me to be or the woman God wants me to be or the son or daughter? It's because you've been sacrificing yourself to the snake. You've been allowing it to bite you. It's poisoned most of your life. That's why you can't move and function like you're supposed to. And God says, would you please bring those burdens to me because I want to restore, give back, Bring back what you gave away. I want to give that back to you. I'm not here to beat on you because you're walking through life crippled. God isn't up there going, oh, Harmon, you're so stupid. I hate you for letting that snake bite you. He goes, child, what would you do if your child did disobey and was bit by a snake? What would you do as a human father or mother? You'd race out there, kill the snake, remove the snake from that child's presence, do the best you could with that child and hope all it got crippled is that portion of that arm or whatever it was that you had to deal with and maybe that's where you could stop the poison from disintegrating the arm. But if you as a human parent can figure that out out of love and commitment and desire to protect, how much more does my Heavenly Father have that same desire in my life when I rebelliously sit under the tree and say, no, God, not me? So we have this command, this directive, an imperative is what you call it in the Greek. An imperative, I implore you, I ask you dead seriously, cast your cares upon me. That's where they need to be. Because I want to restore, bring back what Satan and circumstance has stolen from you. And one day as you're walking through life, you'll go, you know, I just noticed I can feel my fingers. I haven't felt my fingers for a long time. And that movement that God begins to restore. So pretty soon an arm that's been dead to you or an emotion that's been dead to you 
or a part of the relationship that's been dead to you, a part of your attitude that's been dead to you, a part of what it means to be a lover and a friend and, and committed and all things have been dead to you, you have now been restored. They have been brought back. And for the first time, it's like if you ever had to take some of those medications and your taste buds go, or you get sick and you can't, nothing tastes good. I wish we could take those pills more often, right? Because then we wouldn't have any trouble. You know, give me another batch of those nothing tastes good pills, doc, you know. But nothing tastes good. And you, you don't want to eat, all right? And you go, no, it's like all of a sudden, wow. Love never tasted so good. My relationship with my son, daughter, friend, acquaintance, never, I never tasted that. I forgot how good it tastes. You see, when God restores, that's what he wants to do. He goes, I want to make it taste good again. I want to make you enjoy it. I want you to appreciate the touch. I want you to appreciate the intimacy. I want you to look at your wife, your husband, your child, your son or daughter, friend, and look at them like you've never seen them before. Like for the first time in your life, you've seen those movies like uh, uh, with Jimmy Stewart in the Christmas one where he comes back and for the first time he runs back into his house after uh, he was shown what life would be out without him. He grabs the knob off his, his uh, you know, handrail and he kisses it. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Oh, you old... What's he doing? He has been restored. He has a new sense. He grabs his wife. He grabs his child. He does not respond with an attitude of the bitterness and the harshness and the cruelty and the anger he had before because he has been renewed, restored, made new. That's the call God has for my heart. Cast your burden so I can renew you. Cast your burden so that you learn to preserve and protect your life. Cast your burden so that you learn to listen the first time. Cast your burdens on me because that's where I need you to be. How are you going to survive dating without it? How are you going to survive marriage and make a marriage work without that kind of attitude? How are you ever going to be a decent parent if you don't have that sense of obedience to what God says do? How can you possibly teach it to your son or daughter when you don't demonstrate it yourself? That was the hard part. The hardest thing of having to stand up in front of people that I feel every Sunday and every time in my life is every day I open that book and I say, Bruce, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Second question, are you living it? Because don't walk up into somebody else's life and demand something of them that you at least aren't being moved by the Holy Spirit to be doing in your own life. That's why in one sense I should sit down and we should have 30, you know, 51 different sermon preachers this uh, year would probably be the best thing in the world for you. You come up and you tell us what you believe. Because when you've got to say it out loud in front of people, you've got to preach it and talk about it in the context like we're doing, suddenly, bam, you're held accountable. You have a different sense. God goes, I want you to feel that way, not to hurt you, but I love you. I've come to carry you. I've come to restore what you gave away. I came, I know you were deceived by Satan. I know you were lied to. I know you walked down the wrong path. I'm not here to beat you up about the wrong path. I am here to give back what you gave away. And that's the miracle of this text. So we begin to understand the love that God has for you and what he's trying to do in your life. And then watch you turn around and do it for someone else. We're studying the forgiveness and the strongholds with Satan over in the adult study over here. And we're learning the process of actually breaking these strongholds. And one of the steps is, after God has uprooted this stuff in me, then like I stuck on Steve, it says, now go and say, 
Would you please forgive me what I did against you was so terribly wrong. I know I was only 12. I know I was only 16. I know I gave myself away before I married you. I know this. I know, right? And now I'm going to deal with it. Now I'm going to walk down that path with a different set of eyes. Now I'm going to walk on it in the power of God. And I'm not going to surrender to my will. I'm going to surrender to the direction God gives me. And that's the process. Because for the first time, your child may break down in tears and say, Dad, I never even knew you remembered that you didn't cry when you promised to take me fishing, you didn't do it. I didn't even know that mattered to you when you said you'd take me and you took somebody else instead or did something different. Dad, you don't understand. That was one of the things in my heart that always made me feel like you didn't care. It was one of the things in my life that always made me feel like you weren't really there supporting me. It's why I've always been closer to mom and not you. And you look at this child and say, child, all I can tell you is God has showed me I'm a sinner. God has showed me what I did to you was wrong, and I need your forgiveness. And if I could go back and undo that moment and redo it the right way, I would, but I can't. So I'm asking you, please forgive me. Do you understand the healing God wants to pour, not just into you, he wants to restore the church. He wants to restore families. He wants to restore marriages. All the byproducts of who I am and who you are. He wants to give back what Satan, the world, and everyone else has given away, and he wants to make it like it's never been before in the fullness of his mercy and grace, in the fullness of his power. That's the passage, and that's the power. You're understanding God is not calling you just to get more of your own stuff taken care of. He's talking about healing people through you. He's talking about changing the face of this congregation. He's talking about changing the face of your in-laws and relatives. He's talking about changing the direction that you go in a job. He's talking about healing more than you and I can possibly sit here and understand. And all you have to remember is I will do what Dad tells me to do the moment Dad tells me. Why? Because I know who my Heavenly Father is. And I trust and one day, I will fully comprehend all that he's done for me in that moment of obedience. That's God's call in your heart, the heart to heal you. Pray with me. Precious Heavenly Father, as, we, uh, as I realize, Father, that I live sometimes in such rebellion, such hurt, such stubbornness, carrying burdens that I can't deal with, putting things off and try to justify and rationalize and make excuses, being terribly afraid of looking somebody in the eye and saying, I'm sorry, I have sinned against you, please forgive me. Lord, there is a healing you want to pour in your people today just like you wanted to pour it into the lives of your disciples and the people that sat listening to this sermon when you preached it the first time. You have come, Lord, to bring life. You have come, Lord, to restore what... We've given away and Satan has torn from us. You have come, Lord, to make marriages new, lives new, and hearts new. You have come to give us what we could never taste ourselves, to carry us into places we could never walk ourselves. Lord Jesus, help us to cast our burdens on you and to trust that you will accomplish what you need to accomplish. Teach us obedience without question, the kind, Lord, that rests fully assured of who the speaker is. We trust in you, Heavenly Father. Work in our hearts to bring obedience to you. We pray all this in your name, Lord.